Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today, our scripture is taken from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6, which says, But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This is a very important verse in the Bible. It tells us that if you don't have faith, you can't please God. Because that's God's way of salvation. That's his only way of salvation. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but through me. So the issue in this verse is without faith, it's impossible to please him. And it says that he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he rewards them that seek him. After we become a believer in Christ, we serve him. We read the word of God. We try to grow uh, in our faith. We try to become more like Christ. We change our lives. And as we do these things, and as we reach out to our community and try to tell others about the Lord Jesus, he rewards us as we diligently seek him. What a great blessing it is to be a believer in Christ. Not only do we start our eternal life even now, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, giving us wisdom and guidance and direction and helping us to know God's will. But also, at the end, he rewards us for our faithfulness here on earth. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. All may change, but Jesus never, glory to his name, glory to his name, glory to his name. All may change, but Jesus never, glory to his name. This is a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio Edith Holkoop. She has helped us for many years to, to get people to the mission field, short-term ministries. She's been on several short-term ministries herself, and she's actually led many uh, teams overseas. The question always comes, comes up, Edith, who goes on these trips? Who would be a, uh, a good candidate to go on a short-term mission trip? I would say anybody, as long as they're flexible, adaptable, teachable, and <laughs> Sometimes we go on trips thinking we have a purpose to do something. Lots of times I've seen it, we get used in a totally different way than what we expect. And yeah, it's just neat to see how, if we're open, how God can use us and where he can use us. Yeah, and, and we have all age groups. We have young people going, college students going, you have middle-aged people going, but we also have finishers going. And of course, finishers are people that have already uh, sort of like in retirement mode after one career, and they want to give the rest of their lives to, to Christ or to do Christian things. And, and so they're, they're people that uh, want to go and serve and, and try to do something significant for the Lord with the time that they have left. 
And it's amazing. Right now, we do have a team in Sierra Leone that is made up of finishers, and uh, we have architects and engineers on that team, and we have teachers on that team, and construction folks on that team. And it's just amazing to see how God puts these different people together to go overseas. So these are wonderful things. Why don't you tell us about uh, some some incidents that have happened uh, when you were uh, either leading a team or being part of a team, things that were sort of significant uh, when you were on a short-term trip? Well, one um, thing that always comes to my mind immediately on, you know, one of my times was in um, Tijuana, Mexico. I had the opportunity to visit a ministry down there. And when I was there, I went to an orphanage with some people and we were talking to different people. But while I was there, I noticed this younger fellow, probably in his early 30s, and he was just plastered with tattoos around his neck and hands and arms. And he just, and he was hanging out with little kids and interacting with them. And it was just like, wow. Anyway, um, I kind of made a judgment on him, which was not good on my part. But God, he, I found out later on he had an incredible story. And his name is Carlos, he's Mexican, and he's somebody who has just totally inspired me. But while we were there with this ministry, um, we were going into a jail for two days, and there was this fellow, Carlos, and another fellow, um, Rafael, and we were going to be ministering to the youth there. They were doing a mini retreat with them, and they had got permission for me to go in, being a the only female and the first time for a female to ever go into this jail and they got permission for me because they also wanted me to do photography of the whole um, two days that we were there. Anyway, Carlos had an incredible story. He had been in the U.S. He had committed a crime. I don't know what it was and I didn't need to know and he had done some hard time in prison and all these tattoos told the story. He had so much power in the prison, he could call the death of a guard or another inmate, and he had drugs and all that kind of thing. Anyway, another inmate one day asked him to go to church with him in the um, jail. So he did, and he said he had nothing else to do. So long story short, he became a Christian, and he did a 180-degree turn, and his life changed so much. They let him out a year and a half earlier on good behavior. So when I met him, he'd only been out of um, prison for about one year. So anyway, he really um, felt after he was out of prison, he wanted to come back to Mexico to work with his people. While I was in Tijuana with them, they were going into this prison, like I said, to do retreats with the youth. And these guys were in their late teens, early 20s. And it was just really neat because when Carlos went in, he kept his um, long sleeves on to hide all his tattoos because he knew the guys in the jail would know what he was all about. And he wanted to share his testimony first before they got caught up in that. So it was just neat to watch these guys. They were so glued to him. So he shared part of his testimony. The next day when we went in, he wore short sleeves. So right away, the guys knew what he was all about. It was so neat, though, for him to share his story and the impact it made on these guys. So that's Carlo's ministry now. He's going into the jail and ministering to these fellows. Some of these um, guys have become Christians, and Carlos tells me that every now and then they do baptisms in the jail. They'll take a kid's swimming pool and fill it full of water and baptize the kids. So it's just really neat to see, and it's like just proves to you how God can use our lives. You know, we think we're, that's what he said to me, so I can't change or take these tattoos off, but that's his inroad to these places. Mm-hmm. Mm, we can be word. broken and everything, but God can use us if we allow that. 
So he made a huge impact on my life, just sharing and seeing and experiencing that. Well, thanks for sharing today, uh, Edith. This was tremendous to hear these stories that you have. The Lord bless you, and we thank you so much for your ministry. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. We want to remind you that this is a listener-supported program, and we cannot continue to be on the air without the support of our listeners. This month, we're offering a wonderful booklet entitled The Greatest Commandment for Father's Day. It uh, talks about love, but it also has a lot of information about the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Herodians. And it talks about how they tried to trap Jesus into making an error so that they could go and crucify him and his answers. And finally, when the scribe comes and asks, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus tells them to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And then to go ahead and love your neighbor as yourself. And the love of God is explained very well in this pamphlet. And I highly recommend that you would write in to get your copy of the greatest commandment. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. He gave a water, 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 and it was not from the well, oh Jesus, he gave a water, he gave a water, he gave a water, oh Jesus, he gave a water, he gave a water, and it was not from the well. Well, there was a woman from Samaria. She came to the well to get some water. But there she met a stranger and he did her story tell. She left my savior singing. She came back to him bringing the time she had living water. And it was not from the well, oh Jesus, he gave a water, oh my Jesus, gave a water, oh Jesus, he gave a water, and it was not. Today's message is from Dr. Fred Hartman. Printed copies are available upon request. Today we'll be bringing our ninth message on the subject, Are We Close to the End Time Events? I would like to focus our study on the subject of anti-Semitism. It is very interesting to see worldwide anti-Semitism rapidly growing today. The scriptures have much to say about this subject. The first thing we should do is to define Semitism. What people make up those who are known to be Semitic. The dictionaries make it clear that this group of people is made up of Jews, Arabs, and all those who speak languages derived from the same source. This would include most of the nations that make up the Middle East. However, whenever the word anti-Semitism is used, it is always used concerning the Jewish people. Isn't that interesting? I would like to point out three passages of Scripture to you to show you how rampant anti-Semitism will become during the tribulation. Then we will take a look at anti-Semitism worldwide to make a decision 
as to whether or not we believe we could be close, very close to these end-time events. The first passage is found in Zechariah 13, verses 8 and 9. And it shall come to pass in all that land, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but the one-third shall be left in it. I will bring the one-third through the fire, will refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, This is my people, and each one will say, The Lord is my God. This passage is speaking of the horrible time the Jewish people will go through during the tribulation period. Matthew tells us as if God didn't cut off that time, everyone would die. The remnant that is left will see the Lord returning to the earth and trust him as their Messiah and Savior. The second passage we will take a look at is found in Zechariah chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. This is where and when anti-Semitism will reach its climax. We also need to carefully note that the Word of God makes it very clear that all the nations of the world will hate the Jewish people so much that they will send their armies to wipe the Jewish nation and people off the face of the earth. However, the very next verse tells us that the Lord will return, defend the city, and defeat all of these armies. The third passage relating to our subject of anti-Semitism is found in excerpts from Luke chapter 21, verses 10 to 18. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places, and famines and pestilences, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and rulers for my namesake. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, and relatives, and friends. And they will send some of you to death, and you will be hated by all for my namesake. Again, we see anti-Semitism reaching its climax during the tribulation. It will be particularly true during the last half of that time frame, just before Jesus returns to the earth. 
Now we need to take a look at what is going on now to see if events taking place today give us the sense that we are close to these end-time events. The first place we should look is at the United Nations. After all, they were an organization founded to promote peace. The UN General Assembly adopted 20 resolutions against Israel and six resolutions on the rest of the world combined. The UN has a blacklist of companies that do business with Israel. It is called BDS, Boycott, Divest, and Sanctions. They help fund this movement that seeks to keep companies from having any business relationship with Israel. Since the U.S. funds 22% of the U.N.'s budget, my tax dollars are helping to fund this. The U.N. agencies signed an agreement with Palestinians to spend $18 million on legal attacks on Israel. The U.N. Women's Rights Commission condemned Israel as the world's worst violator of women's rights and then elected Saudi Arabia to this commission. Saudi Arabia and Iran are two of the world's worst violators of the rights of women. I could give many more instances of anti-Semitism flowing from the UN, but time will not allow me to do so. Now let's go on to see how other nations are involved in anti-Semitism. Iran. Iran's supreme leader, Ayatollah Khomeini, said the only cure for Israel is annihilation. In a tirade against the Jewish state, he called to arm the Palestinian Arabs in Judea and Samaria. This barbaric, wolf-like, and infanticidal regime of Israel, which spares no crime, has no cure but to be annihilated. This is not the first and only time he has called for the destruction of Israel. The Scandinavian countries. Several years ago, they informed their Jewish population that they should leave their countries. They warned that if they did not, they would face persecution and elimination. In Sweden, a candidate for their parliament suggested that they deport all Jews. Let's think about France. France's multiculturalist agenda makes Jews pack their bags. As more French Jews face anti-Semitic attacks, many are leaving for Israel. Most of the attacks have come from the Muslims. whether immigration or French-born, many of whom we have not assimilated, many of whom who have not assimilated into French society, if not rejecting French society entirely. France's left-wing government refuses to acknowledge the scope of this crisis.
apparently more afraid of losing Muslim votes they depend on than in defending France half million Jews. 74% of French Jews are considering leaving France. The Jewish people are being murdered there, and they are also having to put up with cries like, gas the Jews or kill the Jews. In Holland, there have been terrible chants against the Jews at public events. Jews burn the best. Hamas, 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 Jews to the gas. Others cry out, death to Jews, and dirty Jews from the sewers should be killed. In Spain, videos are being shown in that country with women stabbing dolls dressed like Orthodox Jews, calling for the murder of all Jews. People there are calling to eliminate or exterminate the Jews, for the world will be better off without them. The chief rabbi in Spain declared that a Europe is lost. He is urging the Jewish people to buy land in Israel and leave Spain and not to wait like the Jews of Algeria and Venezuela. In Switzerland, violent attacks have been perpetrated against Orthodox Jews. In England, Ireland, Germany, and other European nations that we have noted there is a great swelling tide of anti-Semitism. In the last several years, anti-Semitic incidents in Europe have increased by 436%. It now brings us to the question, is the world being prepared for the end-time events when all the Jewish people will be hated by everyone? Let's take a look at anti-Semitism in America to see if it has reached our shores. To begin this portion, I would like to quote an eternal promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis 12:3. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. I could list at least 10 incidents involving the government of the United States that appear to verify this truth. On April 30th, 2003, the roadmap to peace had been developed and was being presented to Israel. Over the next seven days, the U.S. was hit by a staggering 412 tornadoes. Both the news media and social media in the U.S. have taken basic positions against Israel. They have censored any truths about the Holocaust while giving complete freedom to those who deny the Holocaust. They have also taken a very favorable position to the boycott, divest, and sanction Israel movement. Then there are the actual attacks on Jewish people throughout the country. In Northern Virginia, swastikas were painted on a Jewish community center. 
In Indiana, anti-Semitic graffiti were painted on a Jewish synagogue. A Jewish cemetery in Missouri was vandalized. There were so many attacks on Jewish cemeteries in Philadelphia, it brought fear to the Jewish community. There have been a large number of bomb threats against Jewish neighborhoods. There were two Jewish men attacked in Brooklyn in two days. A New York cab driver shouting Allah brutally beat a 62-year-old man on the way to a synagogue in the middle of a street. Bombs were thrown through the windows of a synagogue while the people were at prayer. In Pittsburgh was the most deadliest attack ever on Jewish in America. And so on and on it goes. Finally, one of the reasons for the growth of anti-Semitism is the fact that so many churches are preaching replacement theology. This view holds that God is finished with Israel and that all the promises he made to the Jewish people but now belong to the church. These churches practice the boycott, divest, and sanctions on Israel, which is only another form of anti-Semitism. This view is held by the Vatican, Greek Orthodox, Coptic, many Presbyterian churches, the Church of Christ, and many other denominations. Now put all this together, and we find that anti-Semitism is expanding exponentially. We can readily see that it could not take long before all the nations of the world would come against Israel and that multitudes would be slain in the land, just as Zechariah predicted. Now remember, this will not be fulfilled until after the rapture of the church. As we see anti-Semitism sweeping the world before our eyes today, and we, uh, the rapture takes place prior to these events, we could be very close to that event. Christian, are you listening for the sound of the trumpet and the shout from heaven to call us home? If you've never received Christ as your Savior, you had better make that eternal decision before it is too late. The development toward these end-time events could mean that Jesus could come at any moment, even today. I know the message you just heard was a great blessing to you, and I trust throughout this week you'll be able to apply it to your life. Here at Canada's National Bible Hour, we're really concerned not only about people growing in their faith and being discipled by the Word of God, but also there may be some listening to us who don't know Jesus Christ personally. They know about Jesus. They may be in a religion, but they don't know him personally. And Jesus tells us through the disciple John, but as many as receive him, unto them gave he the right to become the child of God. In other words, you need to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. 
The reason you need to do this is because all of us are sinners, and the Bible tells us that sin will put us in a bad place. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, according to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And then Romans 6, 23 says, But the wages of that sin, the wages of any little sin, any little lie that you say, the wages of sin is death, that spiritual death, that separation from God. That means that you won't go to heaven at the end of your life. But the wages of sin is death. But the gift... The gift of God, eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you need to ask Jesus to come into your life. You can do that by confessing to God that you are a sinner and you need grace, that you need a Savior, and ask Him to come into your life as I did many, many years ago. He did, and God changed my life and allowed me to have a life that's been very fulfilling over all these years. And we're giving away this copy of The Greatest Commandment, and if you want your copy, please write to Canis National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R787, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And you can find past programs of Canis National Bible Hour on our website, which is missiongo.org. M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O dot O-R-G. I trust God will bless your life and draw you close to him throughout this week.